The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. A combination of bad luck and bad mistakes leads to Benfica's Champions League opener being a complete disaster. But the boys bounce back and go to Algarve and get three points on the weekend. We got a lot to talk about on this episode. It's episode 171 of Mr. Benfica, and it starts right now. Vamos! Benfica Nation, welcome to episode 171 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, as always, coming to you from the northeast corner of the United States of America to the world. It's the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and you can follow me on Twitter. If you're a new listener, please go to Twitter and follow me. It's at Mike Agustinho, that's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. And you can follow the show as well, at Benfica Mr. And also on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. How is everyone doing this week? Uh, Benfica had uh, an up and down mixed bag results kind of week. And you probably hear that music in the background. You know what that means by now. This is is season six of the show, episode 171. So you know when you hear that, we're talking UEFA Champions League and it's match day one. And it is a match a day one to forget for Benfica. However, I think that it's it's important to to put into perspective this match. And it is important. This is not excuse making. This is important. It is important to remember. This is match day one. And we are still in September. And this team is still at a very early stage of, of its evolution this season. Of its growth this season. And this was a match where anything that could go wrong went wrong. I, I suppose it could have been a little worse. They could have uh, Salzburg could have could have converted the first pen. But uh, let's get one thing out of the way off the top. 
the Salzburg team is no pushover. Okay, I said this before. I've said this to anyone who will listen that this is a good team and that the Red Bull style of football is difficult for us to play against. Now, it's very similar to the style of football we try to play. Okay, it's very, very similar with high pressing and and in a Red Bull model, you even want to create more chaos. And, and a lot of times, the play can get even more direct than, for example, wheel play. And they'll want to put it into spaces and just create chaos and try to put the ball on opponents that are less comfortable with the ball at their feet. And when you go down to 10 men, 11, 12, 13 minutes, whatever it was, into the match, well, you put yourself at quite a disadvantage factor in a pen to go with it that makes it 1-0 the task gets even taller and well there, there's positives and negatives to this and uh, well I think Roger Schmidt in the post match he summed it up here I'm gonna play this for you but I will say I'll apologize in the I'll apologize in advance to you I took this audio from BTV okay so unfortunately there is also the BTV guy translating over Roger's voice, which for me, I can't, at that point, I don't understand either. <laughs> okay, at that point, I can't follow the conversation anymore. But you can catch here what Roger's saying, and for some of you, you may be able to, you either understand the Portuguese, and that's fine. I find it distracting, though, because they're saying what he already said. They're translating what he already said, and I'm missing what he's saying at that moment. But um, this is what I got as far as, as Roger Schmidt audio for this match. So uh, take a listen here, and he will talk about this is basically his analysis of what happened. We'll start with that this week. Good evening. Uh, what can you say about this match? Yeah, a very difficult uh, match, very difficult uh, beginning with the two penalties and then with the red card. So, of course, on this level in Champions League, um, to play 80, 80 minutes um, with 10 men and uh, to be 1-0 down is, is a difficult situation. But the reaction of the of the team was fantastic, in my opinion. So I think we showed a very good attitude. We showed a lot of quality with the ball, also against the ball. We were able to to win balls, to put them under pressure, and to to dominate the game, in my opinion. And also, we were able with ten men to create clear chances to score goals. I think um, I think we were able. Um, or we showed that we believe that we can win this game. Um, but yeah, unfortunately today believed in themselves, they always tried to, to um, create something even uh, after the 2-0, think was the second um, opportunity of, of Salzburg in the match, um, and it was a 2-0, uh, even afterwards I think they, they, we tried to, to create chances and we had chances, but that's football. So, if you so Roger Schmidt there breaking it down. Interrupted by the translator, or at least for the viewers, but um, you get the gist of it there. I, I tend, as I normally do, to be honest, to agree with his assessments. Um, I think that Benfica played 
much better than the score indicates. I think to play 80 minutes or more, you know, when you counter in stoppage time with, down a man, I think that that is very difficult to do. And Benfica were the better team for the majority of those 80 minutes. Let's be honest. I mean, some of that's by design. Some of that is by design. Um, Salzburg allowed Benfica to have the ball. They invited them to, to possess and to try to come forward, hoping that they would expose themselves and leave themselves open at the back for, for a counterattack. It eventually did happen. And when we get to that point in the match, I will break that down a little bit more. I took a closer look at that today, actually, to make it put it fresh in my mind. But, again, that Red Bull style in the opening minutes, it, it is just to play the ball into open spaces to, to get bodies forward and create chaos. Doesn't matter if you're talking about Salzburg, Leipzig. Um, it doesn't matter if you're talking about Bragancino. It doesn't matter if you're talking about Red Bull New York when they are, you know, at their best. Uh, these teams aren't always at their best, and they're not always able to play that Red Bull style. But it, it's a style that is, you know, it's very do or die. You know, uh, Jesse Marsh famously has has fizzled out using it at at levels, you know higher than the the Austrian Bundesliga, for example, where he was very successful when he was the manager of of Red Bull Salzburg. Just, you know, as before him, uh, our own Roger Schmidt was very successful as the manager of, of Salzburg playing in this style. And then Jesse Marsh goes to Leipzig, and it, it, it eventually ends up in him getting sacked, I thought at the time, too quickly. He takes that style to Leeds United, and they get burned. Okay, they get burned. They play exciting football. They score goals, but they get burned and they concede too much. They get relegated. Roger takes that style to the Eredivisie with PSV, and they play nice, and they win a couple cups. They didn't win the, the Eredivisie. They were not Dutch champions because, again, they get burned. Um, this was one of those days where we were not able to burn to burn them on that style. And sometimes we get burned. We actually were the ones getting burned, even though our... Our version of it is a much tamer version um, because we have, you know, a different set of players and our players don't come through a system playing that way necessarily. Uh, there's a little, there is a bit of an adaption, adaptation, excuse me, to the first team. But we do attempt to, to play a high-pressing style. The problem is right now we don't have that front point of, of high-pressing healthy in our team to play this way. And it seems like, it seems like Roger does not want to sh to get away from it enough. He doesn't want to go to a three man midfield. He doesn't want to go to a four three three. It's clear he he wants to continue to play his game. And I have to say that it, I have to agree to an extent with people that say it's it's becoming he's becoming stubborn with it. I I can't deny that because I think that right now. This team would make a lot of sense to play with three in the middle, to play with with Tino Zronevs and Kokshu. I think that would make the most sense. But again, who do you take out? I know who you will want to take out. The majority of the fans say it's Mario all day, every day. You take out Mario, and um, and many would say you take out Rafa as well to to bring on Nedish. And we'll talk about Nedish in the second half of the episode. And I think Roger has a big, a big headache on his on his his plate, a big headache to deal with. And a lot of people say it's a great headache to have. I don't know that it's great because that's just something people say. Uh, it's not great to be in that situation when you have two very, very talented players and you 
don't your system doesn't really allow for both of them to be on the pitch. I'm talking, of course, about Di Maria and about David Nersh. And um, it's very, very hard to balance. And I don't think Roger Schmidt has ever had to balance that. And I think he's going to stick with this model. And I think he has all the confidence in the world that Gonzalo Guedes is going to be that that front man in the press. He may not be the striker when we have the ball, but he is going to be the high man in the press. Um, for a guy like like Musa or or for Arthur, if they're in there, Arthur Cabral, I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me if they drop off a little bit and allow the the speedier players to to apply the high pressure. How's that going to look? How's that going to work? I don't really know at this moment. It, it It's something that has to be worked out on the training pitch. And without being in on the training pitch, it's all speculation. But um, again, I think that, that the team showed a lot of... A lot of courage and a lot of belief to continue to go after the results. You know, even though down, they went after it. They went after it. Dare I say, they maybe even went after it too much when we get to the second half. When we talk about the goal conceded in that second half. Again, there's something that I'm noticing that is consistent in all these counterattacking goals that we surrender. Last year versus Shavs. This year versus Boavista. Now in this match, and I, I mean when we, we lose, you know. Um... It's it's kind of history repeating itself. Even in the second, in the league match at the weekend against Portimonense, the same thing happened again. Except this time it didn't cost us the result, but the same thing happened again. And it's something I think the team needs to clean up. I think we're, you know, even down a goal that early in the second half, I don't know that you want to be risking it all. However, playing with 10 men, you do understand that the fitness uh, of the players is only going to last so long. You're only going to be able to play forward and play a high tempo for so long. And I think that's why Benfica risked it the way they did to go after the, the tying goal um, and end up getting burned for it. But let's get into the match then. Okay, let's get into this one. Uh, of course, it is match day one of the UEFA Champions League. Benfica hosting Red Bull Salzburg Stadio de Luz. And it's in front of a packed crowd of 60,917 with uh, the referee being Turkey's Halil Mailer. Um, I don't want to talk about referees. We have to do that all the time with the Liga. I really didn't count on having to bring that up in the Champions League, but the referee was at the center of attention here. Whether you think he's good or bad, he was definitely in the center of attention. And um, Benfica... At the very least, we're very unlucky with some of his decisions here. Let's look at the lineups. We'll start with the visitors, the 10-time in a row. Now, Austrian champion R.B. Salzburg. Uh, Their goalkeeper is the 27-year-old Austrian Alexander Schlager, who had himself one heck of a match. I don't know if it's a career match. I haven't seen much of Schlager. I'm not that familiar with him. But what a performance he had in this one at the Luge. The right back is the 21-year-old captain, Amar Dedic, the Bosnia-Herzegovina international. Um, he, he starts as the right back. The center back pairing, you have the Austrian Samson Baidu, who would also be a talking point in this one. 
Roger Schmidt talked about him. He's the number six player Roger Schmidt was referring to in his press conference that he thought should have been sent off. I agree with Roger on that. That second yellow should have been shown. The referee lacked the courage to do it, in my opinion, because that's the only reason you don't give it in that situation. His uh, center back partner is the Serbian uh, Strahinja Pavlovic, 22-year-old center back. And the left back is another Serbian Alexa Terzic, 24 years old. In a three-man midfield in their 4-3-1-2, so slightly different formation than what we're playing. Uh, they they go with in the anchor of the midfield at the at the. Holding midfield role is the 20-year-old Frenchman Lucas Gornat-Duath. He is partnered on his right by the Danish 22-year-old midfielder Mats Biedstrup and on his left by another Danish 20-year-old Maritis uh, Krijard. I believe is how you would say that. And they are playing behind an attacking three in the number 10 position is the 19-year-old Oscar Glukic. He is an Israeli international, 19 years old. This is a very, very young RB uh, Salzburg team. The for, in, in the attack, I should say, the two forwards, the Croatian 20-year-old Roko Simic and the Ivorian 19-year-old Karim Konate. What a team. What a young team this is. Again, I said this. Uh, for those of you that those of you that tuned in to Tuga Tuesday last week uh, on Nino Torres's YouTube page, uh, that's the Gold TV commentator Nino Torres, my friend, whose voice you hear every almost every week on this podcast with the goal calls. He uh, he hosts a a show on his YouTube channel every Tuesday night at ten o'clock Eastern time here in the United States. That's three a.m. for those of you listening in Portugal. Uh, but you can catch it the next day on his YouTube page. I am a frequent guest on, um, and him and I were, and I was talking to him, and I was telling him that this this Salzburg team, like most Salzburg teams, is loaded with players that in three or four years you're gonna know they're gonna be at big clubs, they're gonna be big names, and you're gonna you're gonna forget that they were at at Red Bull Salzburg here in 2023, and that they came to the Stadio de Luz. Those are the eleven that start for the manager. Gerhard Struber, Major League Soccer fans will recognize that name. He was sacked earlier this season by New York Red Bulls. I guess it's not really a sacking when you stay within the same ownership group. He goes from New York Red Bulls to Red Bull Salzburg. So um, he is is the manager for this one. And um, he gets a win here in the Stadio de Luz. What, what else can you say? They can't really criticize him at that point. For that, Benfica, Roger Schmidt sends out a 4-2-3-1, as is... Uh, Common as is to be expected, the Ukrainian goalkeeper Anatoly Trubin gets his second start in a Benfica shirt. First time in the Champions League with Benfica, but he has Champions League experience. This is not your normal 22-year-old goalkeeper. He's played for for Shakhtar Donetsk in the past in the Champions League. Uh, Alexander Ba is the right back, the center back pairing Tony Silva and Nico Otamendi. With the polyvalent, the multifaceted, multi-useful Frederick Auschnitz at left back for this one. The double pivot in midfield. The, the choice on the night was Zhuonevj and Orkan Kokchu with three in front of them. The, the attacking three, Rafa Silva playing in the number 10 position. Angel Di Maria to his right, João Mario to his left, and Petr Musa 
starting as the striker. And I thought he was actually, this is one of his better matches. I For me, as a Benfica player, especially as a starter, I know he did not get on the score sheet, but I, I saw a lot that I liked in Petr Musa. In this match, I saw a really high work rate from him. And um, a couple of times, he was just Mr. Schleiger that, that you know, prevented him from getting on the score sheet. The game gets off to a flying, flying frantic start. Uh, ball is played long right off the kickoff, practically. And we get um, we get a corner kick for, for, for Salzburg almost right off the kickoff to Befica's right. And uh, as the ball is whipped in, uh, it's whipped in to the area, you have Red Bull's Pavlovich getting on the end of it, and he gets his he gets his head to the ball, and then Trubin comes in double fisting and makes contact with Pavlovich's head, and the referee points to the spot. I mean, um, the crowd goes completely silent. The commentator is is confused, and yeah, uh, a second minute penalty given away. I, I'm gonna apologize in advance here. I am probably going to refer to them as Leipzig several times in this episode. I feel I've done it already. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, so I think I'm going to call them Red Bull instead of calling them Salzburg. Apologies to you know supporters of the club that prefer to still be FC Salzburg. But uh, for the sake of not calling them Leipzig, I think I'm going to refer to them going forward as Red Bull. But here is, uh, here's the call as I heard it here, uh, courtesy of the World Feed, the English language word, World Feed, and how it sounded here on CBS in the United States of America. All right, here's the call. Has uh, come and has he given away a penalty here? Pavlovich is down. It's a yellow card for Trubin, and I think this is an early penalty for FC Salzburg. Well, he doesn't get any of the ball. He's certainly come through the imposing figure of Strahinja Pavlovich. And the referee has cautioned the keeper for this. Fists in the face. Karim Kanate. Oh, dearie me! It's an awful miss. Well, fists in the face of Pavlovich. And then heart in the mouth for Gerhard Struber. So there you have it. Konate misses. He puts the ball over the bar. He goes to he goes to Trubin's right, but goes up high. Trubin guesses correctly, but the ball sails over the bar. Danger averted, uh, disaster averted. But I don't think that you know. I almost I almost think that had this ball gone in, it would have worked out much better for Benfica, of course, hindsight being 2020, and we'll never know. But in a parallel universe where this, this penalty is converted, I think Benfica react positively. I don't think the subsequent s- sequence of events would happen. I think uh, I think that Red Bull would drop a little bit more. See, I almost called him Leipzig there. I believe that Red Bull Salzburg would have dropped off a little more, and maybe all of that chaos that led to the next penalty may not have happened and maybe Antonio Silva stays on the pitch and and I think if we go 11 v 11 we we come back in this match this team has had uh no trouble finding the back of the, of the net this season especially when it's 11 versus 11 so I really think that uh the, what seemed to be a relief at the time I think in hindsight was really a 
a bit of misfortune for Benfica uh, in that this penalty was not converted. It would have changed the course of the match, I think, if 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 uh, Red Bull go ahead this early. I, I think Benfica probably settle in a little bit quicker. Um, the way that, that it didn't, maybe I'm crazy for thinking this, but this is just, I've been thinking about this now for, you know, almost a week. But I think had this gone in, it would have been a different story. And you never want the other team to score, but knowing what happened later, uh, it makes you wonder that maybe it would have been better to have had uh, this ball go in and Benfica have have had 88 minutes, 11 on 11 to come back and probably, in my opinion, probably win this match. But again, we'll never know because that's not what happened. The The goal is missed. And Benfica have a, a very good opportunity about six or seven minutes later, the ball's played down our left side. It's worked around, and it finds its way to the feet of João Mario. João Mario gets the ball, and I'm looking at the notes here as he puts it off the post. It starts off. It starts off. Auschwitz is overlapping João Mario. Auschwitz finds João Mario. João Mario with a nice uh, hesitation move with a little bit of, of the opening of the hips and uh, and a little bit of a body fake. Gets the ball on his right foot. Gets the defender to commit early, creating enough space to get a shot off. But unfortunately, uh, he does everything right in this one. I mean, people love to beat up on Dromadio. He does everything right on this play. Uh, he even gets a solid hit on it. He beats the goalkeeper. The problem is it hits the post and comes out. And uh, that's just bad luck at that point. Um, and unfortunately, off that post, and less than a minute after that, well, that leads to this. Shimic is after it, keepers out. Otamendi to the rescue. Oh! What's happened here? It's going to be a red card for Antonio Silva. Well, it was a catalogue of errors here. Shimic was in. The ball deflected up. And did he use his hand there? Came off the bar and yet, there it is. And he knew, didn't he? As soon as it glanced off his hand, the dejection on his face as he clattered into the post and into the net, he knew what was coming next. He certainly knew. And we're going to have a different taken out for this spot kick. Canate denied. Shimic scores. Salzburg lead. It has been a flying start from Salzburg. So not one, but two penalties conceded in the first 12 minutes. First 13 minutes of the match and of the Champions League season. You can't do that and get away with it at this league. Again... Uh, really, to break down this play, okay, there there is a series of errors, and it ends in Ba being off balance and taking a poor touch, losing control of the ball, and his man winning it and going in on goal, forcing Otamendi to leave his position. Although I I I put zero blame on Otamendi in this one, he actually gets himself across and he blocks the shot. Uh. The original shot was taken by Konate. Um, no, sorry. The original shot was taken by Simic. It was played into Simic after after taken from Ba. Simic 
uh, goes one-on-one with Trubin, and Trubin does force him wide. And then his cross takes a deflection off of Otamendi. Otamendi, uh, Otamendi slides in, trying to block the play. He is doing what a central defender is supposed to do. The ball just takes a bounce that's very unfriendly. And it's looping, looking like it's going to go in. Antonio Silva recovers enough to get on the goal line. Trying to uh, trying to place himself so that he can clear it off the line, and what happens is is this is where it's it's really bad luck because if that ball comes down and he's able to time it right and it comes off his head, he saves it. The thing is on the way down. The ball ricochets off of the crossbar, and once it hits the crossbar, it's no longer falling on Antonio's head. And he knows that Konate is closing in on it. And, well, he has a reflex reaction. And his arm his arm comes out. There's no, there's no disputing this. His arm comes out. The ball comes off the bar to his arm. And the Turkish referee has no, no option to point to the spot and to send off Antonio Silva. No complaints from Antonio Silva. He knows it's a mistake. It's, a, it's an accident. It's unfortunate. It's unlucky. But it is ascending off. The call was right on this one. Unfortunately for us, obviously. Especially with uh, with Konate right there, ready to tap it in. Now, of course, I tweeted at this very moment and got a little bit of traction on this. I said that, you know, yes, it's easy. That ball, if you let that ball go in, again, it would have been less damage to Benfica than what happened had they just fallen behind 1-0 in the, 12, in the 13th minute. Or twelfth minute, I think it would have. Uh, they uh, just like I said about the first penalty, had that gone in, I think the team would have recovered just fine and still ended up winning this game two one or three to one. I really believe that. We'll never know, but I, I truly believe that deep down. However, this uh, turn of events and this this bit of luck for for Salzburg for sure for Red Bull that the ball comes down and, and hits the changes the changes its trajectory by hitting the bar and finds its way to Antonio's arm. Is uh, the referee has to point to the spot and Benfica down to ten, and uh, of course th- this time uh, Gerhard Struber sends a different player to the spot. Uh, youngster for youngster swapped out. Roko Simic, the Croatian U21 international, is the one to step up, and he sends Trubin one way and the ball the other. Trubin goes to the to the kicker's left. The ball goes to the kicker's right. 1-0 to the Austrians. And uh, you can hear their traveling supporters from the Topo North uh, as the ball goes in. And Benfica really in a in a deep hole here. Down 1-0, but worse than being down 1-0 is down to 10 men. And Roger Schmidt has no, no option but to make a substitution. And it is João Mario who is going to be sacrificed in the, in the 16th minute here. So that Moratu can come on. And I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna say anything about Morato. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm not gonna beat down on him. I every longtime listeners know he's not my favorite center back. Uh, the the mistakes and the issues that come with him sometimes, and it always results his mistakes just for some reason get punished worse than than others, um, and at a higher rate. Maybe it's because he doesn't play as much, but uh, very. Few other choices for Roger Schmidt here. So Morato comes on, Juomario comes off, and 
in 36 Champions League appearances. Uh, that is Antonio Silva's first red card. He has not played in 36 Champions League appearances. I don't know why this this is showing up here as 36 Champions League appearances for Antonio Silva. Um, he becomes the first Benfica player to see red in the champ. Okay, he becomes so in his first red card. This is what this means here on Fought Mob. His first red card. In the Champions League is Benfica's first in 36 Champions League matches. Uh, as Benfica had not suffered a red card ascending off in the Champions League since September of 2018. And in the two minutes later, it's it's RB Salzburg again. Gordna Doath sets off a fantastic driving run through the middle before picking out Konate in the box with a good through ball. Cuts it back for Gluck who is there to drill a first-time shot but wide, very nearly making it 2-0. Uh, however, the play was then brought back for an offside against the Ivorian Konate. The referee reaches to his pocket for a yellow card to Red Bull's Lucas Gorna Doath uh, for a clever step. After Di Maria comes up with a clever step inside, He's immediately clipped down by the Salzburg defender, and he goes into the, the Frenchman goes into the book, and the ensuing free kick could have been the lifeline Benfica were looking for, as Di Maria hits this one well. Uh, it's swung in deep, but Schlager is well placed to punch the ball wide, and uh, he doesn't take anyone out in the process either. And actually, I, I need to correct myself. I'm talking about a different free kick. This one was Ba taking it. And uh, he, he whips it in as Schlager gets to it, gets both fists to the ball without, you know, without hitting anybody, without committing a penalty himself. And danger is averted. Two minutes later, though, it is another free kick for Benfica. This time it is Di Maria. This is the one I was talking about just a moment ago. Di Maria steps up with his left foot. And uh, he nearly he nearly scores as as he hits it. Around the wall, it's going into the top corner, but Schlager makes a fantastic highlight reel of a save, tipping it wide. And two minutes later, this time it's Musa sprinting on and stretches to keep a seemingly lost ball in the field of play. Puts it across. Rafa is on is the recipient of the cross. Rafa then uh, lays it off for Di Maria, who can't keep his effort down, and the ball sails over. Benfica with a three opportunities here to pull level early in uh, this first half while they are down a man it's while they still got plenty of fuel in the tank uh Di Maria and Ba link up again for another fast counterattack down the right in the 31st but the latter's cross is put behind by Gordon Aduath corner kick to Benfica and another opportunity great heads up play by Angel Di Maria here to try to swing it on the box. I don't know if he did this on purpose, if he's trying to score the Olympico on purpose, or if he's just trying to drive a ball hard right across the face of the goal so that any deflection puts it in. But it forces a big save from Schlager right on the goal line. He nearly put this corner in uh, directly from the flag. Two minutes later, another chance again. Di Maria and Bach combining once more. And the Dane puts the cross to the front post. This is a great ball from Ba. Everybody hammering on Ba in his performance here. I know he had a lot to do with the first, with the with the penalty that resulted in Antonio Silva's sending off and in Salzburg, Salzburg's first goal. But 
he had really some of the best uh, crosses in this match, and he really set Benfica up a few times for their best opportunities to pull level. None better than this one, I think, as he puts in the breast cross. Benfica put in all all match in the front post. Rafa arrives for the ball, volley, but he can't get a clean connection on the ball, and it flashes across the face of goal before being cleared. Should have done better there. Benfica should have leveled on this one in the 35th. Uh, guard. Uh, has a shot from the edge of the box blocked, and Di Maria races away on the counter, but Pavlovic is back to cover and win possession for uh, for the for Red Bull. Okay, moving on, and we get to the 39th, and it's cleared off of the line. Salzburg survive once again. This time, Rafa cuts inside before slipping Musa in behind with an exquisite uh, through ball, the Croatian's first-time effort to deflect off a Schlager and is heading for the goal, but not before Baldu uh, races back to scoop the ball off the line and play it away from danger. Once again, Red Bull Salzburg, uh, they managed to avoid surrendering. You can call it luck. You can call it good defending. I think it's a little bit of both. But Befica, at this point, unlucky not to be level. I think you have to admit that. And they head into halftime here. Uh, but just before halftime, Salzburg nearly doubles their lead as Terzic crosses from the left, causes havoc in Benfica's box. And neither goalkeeper Trubin nor the Salzburg striker Symmetra Konate can get on the ball as it is cleared by Otamendi. And we go to halftime. It was a first half. T- it was a well played, uh, frenetic, but exciting first half. Benfica goalkeeper Trubin, as we said, set the tone for the crazy 45 minutes when he conceded the penalty inside of 90 seconds, taking out Pavlovic uh, off of the ball on the game's first corner. Konate blazed the early spot kick over the crossbar, like we said. Antonio Silva's handball would change the match for the rest of its its uh, entirety. While Simic stepped up this time, Konate's strike partner took over the penalty-taking duties, making it 1-0. Uh, Befica dominate from there. From there on, the 10 men Befica fully in control. Romario, uh, Angel Di Maria, Rafa Silva, and Petr Musa all coming close for Befica. Salzburg have the post and goalkeeper Schlager, as well as defender Baidu, to thank for still being uh, ahead on the score sheet. Musa resumes the proceedings for Befica in the second half, who will throw everything going forward. And no team has generated more shots and scored more goals following high turnovers than Benfica in the Champions League last season. So last season, Benfica generated 21 shots and 5 goals off of high-in-the-pitch high turnovers. And that's a tactic that they're trying to exploit in this game. But to no avail, a lot harder to do with 10 men, obviously. Um and really would be the the victims of it a little bit as well on the defensive end in this match. In the 20th minute, Ba's inside ball dummied by Musa, who is immediately found in the box by Rafa. Rafa shoots low in the right, but Schlager once again brilliantly gets down, makes the save, and pushes the ball wide once again. Uh, However, in the 51st minute, we get a huge mistake here. And I'll let you listen to it first, and then I will. Uh, I'll recap what happened here as I, I watched this one a few times today, and um, I'll recap it here. But first, uh, here is here is the call on CBS. Well read that by Kjord. 
And Shimic could be in here. Look at the numbers they've got. Surely it's two. Glauk is on target. And Salzburg are well on course to running away with the three points. So Oscar Glick on an assist from Roko Simic. The 19-year-old Israeli gets his first Champions League goal here. And it comes off a turnover again. And I'm going to summarize this for you uh, as best as I can. I just, As I said, I watched this earlier today, and I, I just froze the frame again um, to look at it one more time. And it's Benfica trying to come forward. I get it. Uh, again, there's one thing that I'm noticing Okay, in all of these attempted comebacks that fail, okay, or in the case of the Bovista match, it was a draw that we were trying to go get the win. Um, same thing in Shavsh, it was a draw that we were trying to go get the win. Here, it's a bit more understandable because we're losing, okay, so I understand a little bit more. But once again, the center backs starting to go too far forward, okay? this This is something, I guess... I only notice this happening when we surrender the goals. Of course, when you watch on television, you don't always see all the off-the-ball movement. I would love to watch from the from the top level of a stadium and see how often, just how often is Otamendi going this far forward and leaving his back line uh, exposed. I'm not blaming him for this goal, but here's the problem. Moratu makes an errant pass again. Okay, it's another mistake by Moratu. Last year against Portimonense, Moratu stepped in. He replaced Otamendi. His poor clearance led to a goal. Here, his poor pass leads to a goal. Okay, we'll talk about him. He also had a hand in in Sunday's uh, goal conceded as well. Okay, I, for me, this happens too often for him, and this is why I have a lower view of this player than most of you. I respect the difference in opinions. I think there's potential there. I'm not saying there isn't. But I am short on patience. Okay, I guess just sometimes, um, in in what I see, we all have different preferences in what we see and what I like in a center back. As much as it's important to be good with the ball on your feet, you cannot be a liability defensively. And it, he's had good matches as well. I'm not going to say that he hasn't. He's stepped in before and been needed and been called on and done fine. But here. Absolutely makes a poor pass and to make matters worse. He's passing it to Otamendi. So Benfica have got the ball about five five to eight meters behind the center line. Okay, behind midfield. Otamendi is a good 15 meters in front of, of Morato here on this play. Okay. The player taking Otamendi's spot in the back line. The player that drops in here was João Neves. João Neves is quick, but João Neves is not the player I want as my last defender after my other center back makes an errant pass, okay? Auschwitz also going forward, out of position, okay? Leaving himself too exposed. I think we, we, we're getting a little... Yes, you have to take chances, but this is the 50th minute. There are 40 minutes left to get this equalizer, at the very least. Plenty of time. Should not be leaving ourselves so exposed. We do leave it exposed. The pass misses Otamendi. He can't get to it, and it's also read fantastically by the Salzburg player. He plays it in to Simic. Simic gets ahead in most of the space. I'm, I'm, I've got it on my iPad right now. I'm watching it again. Simic plays it into space and then finds, finds, uh, he finds Gloak, all right, as 
Simic breaks in. João Neves actually does a good job to close down the space. He, he, he's just a half second too late in getting back as Simic is one-on-one -on -one with Trubin. And rather than shooting, he intelligently plays it off to his right where, where Gluck is arriving. And the Israeli then just pushes it into the empty goal. 2-0 to Salzburg. Fantastic uh, assist on a really good night for Roko Simic. And it, it then says here that Gluck becomes, at 19 years old, the youngest Israeli ever to score in the UEFA Champions League, breaking the current record that was held by Manor Solomon of 20 years old in 69 days for versus Atalanta back in 2019. Frustration starting to show in the 54th minute. Rafa... After uh, after Di Maria takes it, I'll, I'll call it what it is. I always point to this. When it's Taremi, I am the first one to say it. So Di Maria takes a dive here, looking to get a call. And out of frustration when the call is not given, Rafa just takes a whack at Bidstrup, takes him down, and the referee gives him a yellow card. Um, I missed this play. It wasn't in the notes here. But in the first half, there was a, an opportunity where João Mario got on the end of the ball and he he fired it on goal and it hit the Salzburg defender's hand and Roger talked about it in the post in the post match I think you heard it there at the top of the of the segment and he said that that's always a penalty and at the, at full speed I didn't quite think so but after they showed the review after they showed the replay rather I thought the VAR should have intervened of course perhaps my opinion is a little bit slanted, not just because this is Benfica, but because we see this called in the Portuguese League week after week after week. Newsflash, we're going to see it called, the same exact thing called on Saturday. I mean, on the coming Sunday when Benfica traveled to, or when they traveled to Portimones. Uh, you'll hear about that in the second half of this episode. But here it's not called, and I don't agree with it. After having time to look at it, time to think about it, I don't agree. I think this is a penalty. Uh, I think the 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 way it's called now, you can disagree with the rule all you want, okay? But the player is made bigger by his arm coming out. However slight it is, he is made bigger. It hits his hand. Um, that was back in the first half, but I failed to mention it, so I'm mentioning it now. Uh, and that also leads to the frustration because showing in. That's why they're cutting guys down and taking yellow cards needlessly. Hopefully, Rafa doesn't doesn't accumulate and miss a match later. Because of this needless foul. 57th minute. And Konate launches onto Gorna Doat's long ball into the box. Tries to bring the ball down. But Trubin is well off his line. And parries it away. Before the Ivorian can pull the trigger. Uh, yellow card comes to to Salzburg then in the 58th. It's Samson Baidu. Remember that name. As he uh, he fights the count. He counters uh Sorry, Benfica counter at speed and Rafa taps the ball beyond Baidu and Baidu has no choice but to bring him down as he's beat. He doesn't get fancy. He just pulls the player down and is shown the yellow card. Uh, for me, well, you can even give a yellow card because we're going to mention Baidu's name again. Uh, Gerhard Struber goes to his bench here in the 59th. He, he makes the most of the of the stoppage and on comes Seku, Seku Koita for Karim Konate. He subs on a 23-year-old Malian striker for the 19-year-old Ivorian striker. Mavigo with another opportunity here in the 59th. Musa burns past Pavlovich. Uh, and he, he runs through on goal. 
But once again, Schleiger is there and gets low, gets his paw on it, and he parries the ball away. And the threat was far from over, though, as Nevz gets gets on the end. But his volley is blasted into a defender before Musa gets the second rebound and puts it wide of the post. Once again, Befica incredibly unlucky to have not at least gotten one at this point. It would have been a completely different game if any of these opportunities are capitalized on. If any of them find their way across that goal line, I still will say that if it, if Mefica gets it to 2-1 with the half hour to play, even with 10 men, I would have liked them to uh, equalize and rescue a point. But obviously it wasn't meant to be. Um, in the 65, 65th minute, excuse me, another save from Schlager. Yet again he comes to the rescue as Baidu concedes a corner which Di Maria delivers to the back post. Nevich arrives late. Nevich gets on the end of a corner again. We saw this last season too where Nevich gets himself free in the area and he has some he has some major ups. I mean he he has the leap of a basketball player. He doesn't look that tall. He doesn't look that strong. But man when he gets off the ground he he jumps like a basketball player. He gets up there uh, like a like a hoopster going for a rebound and he gets his head right on this ball. Uh, but again Schlager is there to keep it out. He heads it down and everything. It just hits Schlager's leg and does not cross the goal line. And uh, it's a career night for the 27-year-old 27, 27 Austrian goalkeeper. Periel cards exchanged here in the 67th. And 69th in the 67th, it's Roko Simic for Red Bull picking up a yellow. Otamendi gets one for Benfica here in the 69th. Um... And it's for dissent, actually, which I think is ridiculous. Here is the talk, the play we're talking about. Uh, absolutely ridiculous that the captain is given a yellow card for dissent. As Baidu clips down Rafa with a late challenge. Absolutely 100% in the words of Nino Torres. It's a yellow card in the Luge. It's a yellow card in Austria. It's a yellow card in China. It's a yellow card on Jupiter. But this Turkish referee lacks the courage to show the yellow card. This was just a complete lack of courage. And uh, for that, I will be critical. I've been fair. He, the penalty, sh- sh- the penalty kicks were both fair calls against us. In our favor, he closes his eyes. The sending off against us was fair. Even the bookings ha- on Rafa was fair. This here is not fair. Okay, and then to to book the the captain on top of it when he could have just you know let him say his piece as captain, tell him to calm down. Um, but he doesn't. He gives he gives the card to the wrong player, and as a result, um, Gerhard Struber wastes no time to sub him off. Absolutely no time. The ball doesn't even get played in. Omar Solet or Omar Soleil, I should say, comes on for Samson Baidu. Gerhard Struber knew that that was a second yellow. Um, Salzburg incredibly lucky here to finish with ten with eleven men. I had said win win. When uh, Benfica went down to 10 with dribblers like like Rafa and like Di Maria on the pitch, uh, there was a good likelihood we could get this reduced to 10 for B10 and then go after this match. Maybe we wouldn't have had to take some of the chances we did. Um, honestly, I think that we did we did enough to to make it 10 on 10 and the referee just wouldn't do it. Uh, there, I can't find any any justification for not showing a second yellow card here. And obviously the Red Bull manager agrees as he gets his 
booked players off. Luka Sukic also comes, uh, sorry, yeah, Luka Sukic comes on for Oscar Glok. And Petar Rakoff, Raskoff comes on for Roko Simic. Uh, it's a substitution as well for uh, Roger Schmidt. On comes David Nerj for Angel Di Maria. And on comes Shikinu for Orkan Kokshu. And yeah, cue up the Shikinu, the Shikinu abuse. Um, I don't think it's productive, personally. I wouldn't have made this this change. I would have kept Kokshu on. Um, but you don't have another attacking midfielder to bring on at this point. As I look at Benfica's bench here. Um, yeah, you don't have... Another, you don't have another attacking midfielder to bring on, sadly. Uh, so it has to be Shikinu on, on this one. And he, he does come on. And he doesn't play terribly. I mean, again, everyone loves to point out that he's not talented enough for Benfica, that he doesn't have a place in this team. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but at this point in time, he was the option that was there. He comes on and he doesn't play terrible I mean he doesn't I know it's not what Benfica needs at this point but it's it's what they have and they get another opportunity here uh in the 74th as uh an aerial cross uh passes headed back across goal by Ba and Otamendi is there in the box to unleash a wild overhead kick this was I, I saw this remember this one and uh it's an unconventional but on target uh effort but Schlager is there again to make the save and this time hold the ball and it just is one of those nights where you can play until three in the morning and the ball is just not going to be Schlager on the night in uh, a minute later it's it's Salzburg I hope I haven't called him Leipzig too many times <laughs> I keep feeling like that's the word that wants to come out of my mouth but it's it's Salzburg straight back from Befica's clearance and Krygaard uh, arrives late on the left. He drills a shot towards the near post, but Thruben is there, uh, and he watches it. He watches it all the way down, rattles into the side netting, but he had it covered regardless. Moving forward, we get a another double substitution for Benfica in the 83rd minute. Casper Tankstedt gets a run on as he replaces hardworking Petar Musa, who for me. Put in a very good, a very good effort in this match. A match that was very difficult for him. Uh, he had a few opportunities. He couldn't finish them, but it was a goal. It was a night where the goalkeeper stood on his head, like we say. And Tiago Veia comes on for Rafa Silva. Maybe Tiago Veia could have come on instead of Chiquinho. I don't know. Uh, it's it's a it's really the manager's preference there, and uh, he's given the youngster an opportunity here in the 83rd minute. As Benfica will continue to try to go forward. Remember, goal difference matters. So even losing, you want to pick up a goal here. Uh, we saw what it came down to last year. Between, Sure, it came down to first and second. But second and third could come down just as close. And it could come down to just the same things. So Benfica needing to go forward. And needing to, even if it's only to get one goal. Uh, this is a group stage match. It's not a knockout. They need to, they need to not be foolish and concede more. And they need to go and try to, to find... Uh, a goal to to reduce the lead. Camille Pakowski comes on for Strahinja Pavlovich in the 89th minute for a Red Bull. Uh, but Red Bull see it out. It never it never seems to be uh, a dangerous enough opportunity to rattle Schlager um, as the referee blows his whistle for full time at 90 plus five. Salzburg win their opening Champions League match. Uh, 
for the 2023-2024 season. It's a statement victory for them, an upset in, in Lisbon where all of us pretty much and most of the pundits have Benfica you know, uh, tipped to advance. And Benfica continued to have copious chances, but Schlager was unbeatable tonight between the sticks. And uh, Benfica unlucky in the way they conceded as well, although um, they did come both goals coming from turnovers and then you know, a little bit of a lack of luck, especially on the penalty kick. But with the draw between Inter and Real Sociedad in the other fixture, this group is wide open. And I think there's a lot of overreaction from Benfica Nation right now in regard to to this result and what it means. I mean, we go from from a fan base where segments believe that Benfica are on their way to the Champions League final this year, that this is the year to 90 minutes later thinking we've already been eliminated from the group stage. And uh, this is the irrationality. That is hard, to be honest, especially as a content creator and as someone putting opinions out there. And some of the criticism is just uh, it's just bipolar. It's irrational. It, it goes from, from 0 to 100 in one instance. And perhaps... Um, I mean, time time will tell, but there is all still to play for. Five more matches in the group. In the final group stage, might I add, I didn't even get into this, but this is the last year we'll see a group stage in uh, the UEFA Champions League as starting next year the competition switches to the Swiss model. And again, I said this, uh, I said this on the women's episode back on episode 170 that came out just a few days ago. Uh, because I did say that the Women's Champions League, I believe, is going to continue with the group stage. And uh, the Swiss model deserves an episode of its own if I'm ever available to, one, understand it better before I see it, and then, two, um, give my thoughts on it. But here are the fixture results uh, throughout throughout uh, the UEFA Champions League. We did say that in the course in the other fixture in this group, Real Sociedad won one uh draw at home to Inter Milan and um, Bryce Mendez scoring for Real Sociedad in the fourth minute but Lautaro Martinez rescues a point for the for the the Nerazzurri in the 87th minute and I said on Nino's show that I think Inter is even better this year than last year and uh, this result doesn't change my mind either I think uh, when they're going on you know full throttle they're going to be very hard for anybody to beat but uh uh things i think could have been more simple for benfica had had inter taken care of business here and won on the road and benfica could could uh make it a three t you know could really could really battle with with sociedad and with salzburg for that second spot however uh the extra points Sociedad gets here, at least in people's projections, shouldn't be too much of a detractor for Benfica, as they should still be confident going in to, uh, into their following matches. And anything is possible in the game of football. We have a very good team, and if we're, and if we're on the night, we can even beat Enter, even in in Milan. We showed last year we could run with them when we keep our heads cool and when we make smart decisions. Yes, they are deeper. They have more. Top players to choose from, but on the night with 90 minutes to play, anything will always be possible. Let's go through the rest of the results then in the Champions League for this match at day one, starting with the Tuesday matches. 
AC Milan nil-nil at the San Siro versus Newcastle. Disappointing uh, result, I think, for the Rossanetti. The Magpies uh, announced their return to the Champions League, what, 20-some, 25 years later or something like that, uh, with a big, big uh, draw on the road. RB Leipzig, uh, who I may or may not have uh, said in in error throughout this episode thus far, Travel to Switzerland, travel to Bern, and win 3-1 over Young Boys. Barcelona, 5-0 winners at home to Royal, or over Royal Antwerp, the, the Belgian champions, on a night that belonged to our golden boy, to João Felix. Two goals and an assist for Felix in this match as he helped lead the Blaugrana to the victory in the Champions League, and Barcelona look phenomenal this season. Uh, the addition of João Félix and João Cancelo really, uh, really lift that team to even higher heights. Feyenoord are two nil winners over Celtic. Lazio one one at home to uh, Atletico Madrid. Atleti nearly pulled off the win, but Lazio's goalkeeper, yes, Lazio's goalkeeper, Provadel. Gets the 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 Ivan Provadel that is gets the game tying goal in the 90th plus five when he comes up on a set piece a share of the spoils there Man City uh, they got a little bit of a scare from Red Star Belgrade I'm not going to try to pronounce that in Serbian I apologize but uh, <laughs> Servina Saveda perhaps is how you say it but uh, Man City turn it around in the second half after falling behind uh, 1-0 to, to Red Star, thanks to Bukhari in, in the 45th minute. Return from the break, and Julian Alvarez says, I got this with a goal in the 47th and 60th. Rodri would add the insurance goal in the 71st. PSG 2-0 winners over Dortmund at the Parc des Princes. Goals from Mbappe and Hakimi. And, of course, our rivals, Football Club de Porto, travel to Hamburg to play Shakhtar Donetsk. They take care of business. They never count to these guys out in Europe. I have to give credit where credit is due. They always take it to a new level. They have this belief in them that does not get shooken by any any uh, situations, which is why we have to be at our best on Friday in the Clásico. But Galeno with two goals here. Teremi adds one, and Porto win 3-1 to one on the road. Really a neutral site game, but for all intents and purposes in the record books, it is on the road. Galatasaray draw 2-2 with Copenhagen. Real Madrid beat Union Berlin 1-0. These are the Wednesday matches. Now Arsenal 4-0 winners over PSV Eindhoven. Goals from Saka, Trossard, Gabriel Jesus, and Odegaard. A little bit of a surprising result into how heavy of a defeat it was. Bayern Munich beating Manchester United at uh, the at the at the Audi Allianz Arena, excuse me. Uh, in front of a full house of 75,000. Goals from Sané, Gnabry, Harry Kane, and by uh, Matthias Tell. While well, United uh, tried to fight on it. The game wasn't as close as the scoreline indicates. They got a goal from Hoyland and then two from Kajimiru, uh to make it look closer than it was as it has... All three points go stay in Germany with Bayern Munich. Benfica 0, Salzburg 2, as we know. Braga 
2-1 defeat at home to Napoli to the Italian champions. They did pull level, however. Uh, Giovanni Di Lorenzo opened the scoring in the 45th plus one, but with six minutes to play in the 84th minute, Bruma equalized for the Bishops. It looked like Braga were going to take a point here, but in the 88th minute, just four minutes later, an own goal to Nakate would uh, put the Sky Blues ahead and Napoli would take all three points from the quarry. Real Sociedad, as we said, 1-1 with Inter and Sevilla 1-1 against Lens. Uh Goals in this one. Lucas Ocampos with the goal for Sevilla in the ninth minute while Lanz would equalize in the 24th. Thanks to Angelo Fulgini off a direct free kick. That is uh, your results for uh, for match day one. Quick look at the tables in the Champions League. Then Bayern Munich in Group A lead with three points. FC Copenhagen and Galatasaray with a point each while Man United fourth on zero. Group B, Arsenal with three points. Lance and Sevilla with one apiece. PSV Eindhoven in the basement with zero. Napoli and Real Madrid lead Group C with three points apiece. Braga and Union Berlin, zero. Group D, as we know, Salzburg lead the group right now with three points. Inter and Real Sociedad with one apiece. And we sit fourth on zero points. Group E belongs to Feyenoord at the moment. Uh... A 2-0 win uh, in the round over Celtic. They have three points, while, the, while Atleti and Lazio have a point each. PSG League Group F with three points. Uh, Newcastle and AC Milan a point apiece. Dortmund with a zero. RB Leipzig lead Group G with three points on goal difference. Actually, they're all level on goal difference. Everything's the same. However, they have more away goals at the moment. So that, as we learned last year, is a tiebreaker. It's like seventh down the list. But that currently puts Leipzig ahead of Manchester City. Both of them have three points. Barcelona lead Group H with three points, a plus five goal difference, while Porto sit behind them. With a plus two goal difference, same number of points. I believe they meet each other next. Shakhtar and Royal Antwerp are in the basement with zero right now. All right, matchups coming up Tuesday, October the 3rd. Leipzig hosting Real Sociedad. And that's the early kickoff on that day. The other early kickoff, Union Berlin hosting Sporting Club Braga. Copenhagen host uh, Bayern Munich. Inter host Benfica. No Benfica fans allowed or I should say, Benfica not allowed to sell any tickets for this match as a result of, let me be frank, some moron throwing a, a, a flare into a crowd, into a stand with Inter fans. I don't know why anyone would do something like that. And um, it's just defenseless, and Benfica rightfully so punished for it. I know the Bayern Munich fans showed some support for Benfica and for West Ham, saying that UEFA should not be punishing uh, fans. Uh, should not be banning away fans. They should just ban the people who commit the the crimes. But again, um, if you can't play nice, you don't get nice things. That's just I. I mean, I I can't, I can't sit here and defend that, and I can't really make an argument against uh, selling tickets to Benfica for this match. Lons host Arsenal. Manchester United welcome Galatasaray. Old Trafford. Napoli host Real Madrid at the Diego Armando Maradona Stadium. Well, PSV Eindhoven hosts Sevilla Wednesday, October the 4th. Atleti hosting Feyenoord in an early kickoff. The other early kickoff will be Royal Antwerp hosting Shakhtar Donetsk. Then 
the the rest of the games that evening. It's Dortmund hosting Milan. Celtic welcoming Lazio to Parkhead. Porto welcome Barcelona to the Dragon. That's probably the match uh, to watch on that day. Uh, you got Red Star hosting Young Boys. Newcastle hosting PSG will also be an interesting one, as will Leipzig hosting Manchester City. All right, that wraps up Champions League coverage for this episode. I know we're going long. This is almost practically a double episode. Uh, when we come back after the break, it'll be the second half. We will talk about Portimones versus Benfica from this past week, if you're still with me. Thank you for following. Again, If you're, uh, thank you for listening, rather, if you're... Uh, you haven't already, make sure you follow on Twitter at Mike Agustino. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. And follow the show on Twitter as well at, at Benfica Mister. And uh, you can hit up the website as well, www.mrbenfica.com. And don't forget, Tuesday nights, every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time from here in the United States. Making it 7 p.m. Pacific Time. And I think I said it's, it's 3 a.m. Portuguese standard time, but you don't have to watch it live. You can watch it the next day. I got a link in the show notes to Tuga Tuesdays, okay, to to Nino's channel. He's at Nino Torres uh, on Twitter. I, I mean, on in, on YouTube, that's his handle. You can follow him on Twitter as well at ESPNINO73, I believe is his Twitter handle. But I got a link to the show in the show notes. I got a link to that, and you can hear me debate the the weekend's events in Portuguese football with uh with the Porto supporter usually or a cool dude um Rui from the FC Porto podcast in English and with um a Sporting representative as well many times and sometimes some other some other names and some other known uh personalities drop into the show so don't forget to check that out over on YouTube again the link is in the show notes we'll be right back to talk about the Portimonense match here on Mr Benfica episode 171 
to share with you, like he said to me. I'm going to share with you. Uh, give, me, give me one second. Man. I'm going to share with you this. Uh, everybody said, uh, he said that through in his third star has saved the same amount of penalties. It's like they must had in five seasons. <laughs> Welcome back to this second half and final part of Mr. Benfica episode 171. And what you heard there is from the broadcast on Sunday from Gold TV here in North America. That's Nino Torres, the commentator, reading uh, a DM I sent him, actually. Um, thought I'd have a little fun with it, and I'll be honest, I'm always up for a shameless plug on the broadcast whenever he's calling the match. I am filling his his DMs, and I'm tweeting at him trying to get Mr. Benfica in my name read on the air. No lie. Um, but he was talking about... He he had said where that came from, okay? So he had said that he was under the impression about 30% of Benficistas are, are um, happy that or were against Odi Vlacodimos in goal. And I don't really fit into that group. He, uh, he does say there that I'm one of the ones that didn't like him. I, I, I can test that just a little bit. I think I defended Odi more than anyone else in the in the podcast sphere, okay, uh, for at least three seasons now. I felt myself um, always sticking up and defending OD. And because I don't see a lot of point in just hammering on a player that is on your team and you don't have a replacement. The moment Trubin came into this team and the moment that everyone who had seen him was assuring us that he was a better option than Vlacodimos, I said, okay, instead of Instead of insulting Vlacodimos, instead of insulting Odie, let's put Truben out there and let's see which one is better. And the thing was, I knew, in a sense, I think all of us knew what would happen the moment that Odie was dropped. And that's why I said on Nino's show last week that Odie had to go at that point because I don't think he could stay and be the number two. Um, it's not that I didn't like him, but I, I get what Nino was saying, and I, and I did this to myself by by sending him the stat line after Trubin saves the penalty here in this match uh, that between the three matches of Anatoly Trubin in goal and the nearly, what, five seasons of Odi Vlacodimos in goal, they have the exact same number of penalty saves. Facts don't lie. Facts over feelings. Sorry. Um, I'm not insulting Odi, and I hope he does well. I think he went to the wrong club. I think he's going to sit behind Matt Turner, but that's that's none of my business, and I, that, I don't wish him any harm. And I'm thankful for what he gave to this club while he was here. He did the best he could while he was here. It's not his fault. We didn't have anyone better than him. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sink to, to you know, personal insults and things like that. But fact is, um, you can already see a higher level of confidence in the squad uh, with Truben behind him. And you could already see if you watch the video on this save, and we'll talk about it in a minute. I'm sure when we get to this point of the match, when Truben saves this penalty. Otamendi is believing from the very moment that the player takes off to take the penalty that Trubin is going to save it because there's a video circulating now uh, out there on the on the interwebs, on social media, uh, that, that zooms in on Otamendi as he gives himself a running start and he times his run perfectly to be there to to clear the rebound away after the, after the save by Anatoly Trubin. And... That only happens because he has 100% belief in his goalkeeper to make the save. And I got to say, three matches, three penalties faced for uh, 
fourth Truman. So on the third one, uh, I think he read the body language perfectly and got himself right where he needed to be to make the save. So that's where that came from. Um, of course, I'm never shy and I'm never one to uh, be disappointed to hear my name on on the uh, on the Gold TV broadcast. So uh, cheers, Nino. Thank you. And uh, let's get into this match now. Okay, before actually, before we get into this match, there's a few things to talk about, a few things to hit on. We have some other results at the club this week. I don't want to completely ignore them. I don't have the time, unfortunately, this week to get into it, but the men's basketball team won their first Champions League qualifying game uh, on Monday. They they beat uh, Tbilisi. They beat the team from Tbilisi, which is in Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the champion of Georgia. And uh, advance to now what is the semifinal of this qualifying tournament, and they're gonna play the champion of of uh, they're gonna play Limassol if I'm not mistaken, the champion of Cyprus, and I think they played them last year as well. So uh, in the coming episodes, and stay tuned to my Twitter. I do I do try to retweet and try to uh, update any information, post any information I have on the basketball team because I'm a big fan of theirs as well. Uh, this match wasn't. I wasn't able to watch it on BTV or on the on the Basketball Federation's app, so it was hard for me to follow. I was following it on Twitter, but a resounding victory. I think they won by like 60 points in this first game, so they move on. Uh, men's futsal, unfortunately, lose to Kaishinya on, on a Monday, ahead 2-0 with, I think, two minutes to play or something like that, and with the flying goalkeeper on Kaishinya, Completes the comeback with three goals in the final two minutes, and Benfica, you know, after winning the after the high of winning the Super Cup, they they fall here uh, early in the season. But again, in futsal, it's all about the playoffs. It's all about getting to the finals against Sporting, and then winning that best of five series. So I'm not going to make too much out of it. Uh, there is there is a Champions League uh, qualifying round or group stage coming up soon. A, a elite round, I think they call it. That's coming up soon. So that is what the team is looking forward to right now. And in, in some other news, you know, Befica just continues to clean up the Super Cups in Portugal, adding a couple more last week to the to the trophy case at the Cosmo Damião Museum, most notably the roller hockey, the rink hockey team, men's rink hockey, that is beating Sporting Club Tomar in the Super Cup on uh, last, I believe it was last Saturday. They uh, picked up. The victory there. Going through, I have some other Modley Dodge results. I'll just run through them quickly. Um, in in volleyball, Benfica three nothing, uh, three sets to none winners over Rio Duero Soria in an Iberian Cup matchup. Um, that was in the semifinal on Saturday. On Sunday, in the final against CV Guaguas. Uh, Benfica unfortunately dropping the final of the Iberian Cup in men's volleyball. Three sets to one, uh, but a second place finish no less for Benfica. Uh, Benfica's Judoka Rochelle Nunge takes the the silver medal Excuse me at the Grand Slam of Baku. Congratulations to Rochelle. Uh, the women's volleyball win a couple of preseason matches. Men's handball in the second round of the league. Uh, pick up, I believe, their first victory of the season. Sorry, this is women's handball. Uh, they win 44-26 to over CDE Gilles Ange as uh, they, they win there. And the men, I believe, were also victorious this weekend. Uh, the men played uh, in the fourth round of the first division against Gaia and were victorious in that matchup, 41-29. to That's men's handball again. 
and I had spoke about basketball. I have uh, an update here, um, just to clarify. Uh, it was one twenty-two to sixty-two. Benfica's win over TSU Tbilisi in the Champions League qualifying rounds. Uh, Benfica advance now to the semifinal, as they call it, and they will take on the Chypriot side Aik Larnaca. Okay, so it's AEK Larnaca. Uh, that match will be played later this week. It's set for the twenty seventh of September. It is a 7 p.m. local time start in the Gloria Sports Arena. Uh, I believe that's an 8 o'clock start in Portugal. Uh, check check your listing so that if you can find this match, or I should say this game as it is a basketball game. But uh, again, yeah, just a good weekend for Benfica in uh, in the Modalidades. And coming this week, uh, just, just so you guys are aware this week's agenda, as they call it, okay, in modalidades, um, starting or at least up to up to the time this episode is finished recording. So, starting with uh, the twenty seventh on Wednesday, as I said, we have we have uh, b- basketball against Larnaca. Also, you have handball, Benfica versus. Uh, AA Avanza at 21 hours at 9 p.m. Uh, local time. That's at the Pavilion de Luge. And then uh, Friday night, if if Benfica win on Wednesday, we'll play again Friday night in the final of the qualifying tournament uh, for the Champions League. That will be a 7 o'clock. Uh, okay, so that's 7 o'clock tip-off time is Portuguese time. It does say here. So it's 7 p.m. Portuguese time, 2 p.m. here on the east coast of the United States, 11 a.m. Pacific. And also on Friday. Friday's a busy day for the club because we have the Clásico at the Stadio de Luge. And ironically and just and actually inexplicably okay uh, this is this is just horrendous on the part of the of the federation the FPF but at virtually the same exact time as as the football uh the men's football squad takes on Porto in the Clásico at the Stadio de Luz over at the João Rocha in Alcochete uh Sporting and Benfica will We'll do battle in women's futsal, the biggest match of the women's futsal calendar. And the league puts it, eggs, or the federation, I should say, puts it dead smack at this practically the same exact time, only a 15-minute difference in start time and kickoff time. Sorry, I stand corrected. It is a one-hour and 15-minute kick difference in kickoff time, so a little more acceptable. But still, 9.30 p.m. local time in Portugal which is 4.30 p.m. Uh, local time here on the East Coast of the United States, 1.30 p.m. Pacific, Sporting versus Benfica in women's futsal. I think that that's modly dodge for this week. Now let's get in to this round six Liga Portugal match that we've been waiting to talk about. And I appreciate everyone being here. I know your time is valuable, so every moment you spend listening to this show, I am incredibly grateful for and I thank you all for still being here. I know I've we've been on this show now, or I've been talking here for well over an hour, probably an hour and 15 minutes at this point. Um, I'm going to try to take you through this match uh, as quickly as I can with as much respect for your time as I can, but with going over, you know, the key, the key moments and the key points. Okay, so we are at the Municipal Stadium in Portimão in beautiful Algarve. Again, it's round six. Crowd of 4,354. The referee is Elder Malheiro. Uh, it's worth noting this crowd was 
phenomenal in this match. Benfiquistas on the road. Away days are the best days for Benfica in terms of crowd support, in terms of atmosphere, in terms of environment and of noise. And it's not just noise. What was awesome is it's the chance. It's the long, full song chance uh, that are able to, to be sustained when Benfica are on the road and when they're at these locations and where they have these mini stadiums where they fill them. And I have to give an applause. A lot of times I'm very critical of Portimonense. And like many, refer to them as a as a pseudo B team to a certain rival of ours. But I will give credit where credit is due. They did not restrict Benfica fans from wearing red shirts in the stadium outside of the one little little area that you know they're forced to give by league rules where the 5%, which 5% of a 4,000... 4,300-seat stadium is a very, very small number, obviously. That's about 20, 21 and a half people. I mean, if they wanted to, those could be the only 21 people allowed to wear red at this match. No, the entire stand on the on that side was red, and uh, the match benefited from it. Yes, our club benefited from it, but I do want to give an applause and give uh, credit to Portimonense for doing the right thing because... I'm sorry, when somebody buys, I'm going to continue to hammer this. I don't want to hear about security. Uh, People need to learn to behave as human beings and not as animals. And if somebody wearing a jersey of the opposite team, if you can't control yourself from hitting somebody for wearing a different jersey or for verbally abusing somebody for wearing a a different jersey, you don't belong at a football match. Point, uh, end point, plain and simple. You don't belong at a football match if you cannot control yourself to that extent. So, again, uh, shout-out to Portimones for that. Credit where credit is due. Okay, let's look at the lineups now. We'll start with the home side, the Algarvians. Uh, They have the Brazilian Vinicius in goal. He's a 29-year-old goalkeeper. They're playing in a 3-5-2 for now. Their long-time manager, Paulo Sergio. Uh, In the back three, they have Alimão is holding down the center. He's a 20-year-old Brazilian. And to his right... He's got Pedro Henrique, another Brazilian, and to his left is the Portuguese defender Felipe Helvish. 24 years old is Felipe Helvish. Okay, five across the midfield, um, and as you know, with every 3-5-2, it flexes into a 5-3-2. So the wingbacks down the right, uh, the wingback is Igor Marques. She's 24 years old, another Brazilian, and the wingback down the left is a Portuguese wingback. It's Gonçalo Costa, 23 years old. And the three in the center of the park, the anchor, the holding midfielder, is Daner Clement, a 31-year-old Brazilian midfielder. To his right, he has Paulo Estrela, 24-year-old Portuguese midfielder. And to his left, he has another Brazilian, his compatriot, 29-year-old Carlinhos. And Carlinhos is the captain for Portimonis in this in this matchup. And then in the attack, the two-man strike force up front. You have Eliu Varela, a 21-year-old Portuguese player, uh, playing, partnering, I should say, with uh, the English Sylvester Jasper. Sylvester Jasper is a 22-year-old uh, English striker. And Jasper comes to Portimonense. Let's see. Uh, he has been at Portimonense uh, since June. He joined this season from Fulham, it looks like. Uh, let's see here. He was originally at Fulham, then went on loan to Colchester United for the 21-22 season, back to Fulham, and then back out on loan in January of 2022. Uh, he went to Hibernian, to Hibs in the Scottish Premier League, and then for 
or I should say from August of 22 until October 22, he was at Bristol Rovers on loan. I must have returned early to Fulham. Didn't play at all at Fulham, but now he moved in June on a free transfer to uh, Portimonense. What a great pickup for Portimonense to get a English player on a free. And uh, Jasper would make his mark known in this match. He was a key guy for Portimonense. Uh, for Benfica now, in their usual 4-2-3-1 for Roger Schmidt, there's really no major changes here. There's two changes in the lineup, uh, one due to injury, um, fatigue. You can kind of group them together. You can put kind of a put a slash there. Uh, but it is Truben getting the start once again in goal. The right back is Ba. Otamendi, the captain and center back with his partner for this one, was Moratu. As uh, Roger Schmidt elects to give Moratu uh, 90 minutes uh, before he has to play at the San Siro. I think this, uh, there's been a lot of debate about this. I think this is a good move. I know that we have Porto ahead this week, uh, this Friday, and everybody's focused on that match, and rightfully so. But when you're the manager, you cannot look at just one match. You, the players need to be 100% focused on the match at hand. The manager needs to focus ahead. The manager needs to plan ahead. That's part of his job. And you cannot expect Morato to take the pitch at the San Siro against Inter in 10 days and not have seen any valuable minutes this season. So he gets the start here. Uh, it's not a good night. It's not a good afternoon for him. Again, I, you've heard me criticize him. I criticized him in the last, in the last uh, segment. But he's got to start this match, in my opinion. I think Roger does the right thing here. And the left back, of course, to start is Frederick Auschnitz. Uh, a change in the double pivot in midfield as João Neves is given the day off or given a rest. And it's understandable. I didn't get to this when talking about the Champions League match with Salzburg, but Zronev ran uh, about 14 kilometers in that match. Uh, he covered about 14 kilometers of space, did a lot of running, a lot of work. Uh, he was one of the better players in that match. And again, he was needed. You know, it was the time, I think, to make this switch. Tino needs to play. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, Tino's one of the best, as I agree with Pedro Bosic on Canalons and on Lateral Schierdo for what he says. When it comes to recovering balls and for covering space, Tino's one of the best in Europe at what he does. Um, when it comes to, obviously, going forward, it, it's not all there, but a lot of the mistakes he makes. And, and um, Pedro put out a video, you know, pointing out some of the mistakes that Tino made. And all of them were passes that were completed, but were... Passed to the to his teammate's wrong foot, forcing his teammate to turn, to to step, to stop his run, things like that. Those are the kinds of things that get lost when you don't get a lot of minutes. And listen, everybody here knows how I feel about Florentino. For me, he's the first guy on the team sheet. If I were the manager, I I love the way this kid plays. I can deal with his his shortcomings going forward because of what he allows everyone around him to do going forward. They don't have to worry so much about the the about the tracking, about the space covering, about the positioning, because Tino is there. And I think that everyone plays better with Tino around them. That's not a knock on João Neves. I'm a huge João Neves fan. I really think Roger needs to step out of himself a little bit and experiment with, with Tino, uh, João Neves, and Kokshu together in a three-man midfield. But he's not going to do that here in on the 
eve of a match against Porto and a trip to to the San Siro. So that it's not the time to do that right now. He's going to stick with what the team's been doing. But he gives Tino some valuable minutes, and I think that there's, an, uh, there's a chance here Tino gets to start on Friday against Porto because Porto's midfield is always strong, and it's always a tough matchup for us, and I think uh, we've... I think we are stronger with Tino in our lineup on Friday. But that's just me. That doesn't mean that's what he's going to do. That may not even have been what he was thinking here in this match. But he gets to start nonetheless. The attacking three-man midfield in front of the double pivot in the 10th position once again is Rafa Silva. As he has David Nerj gets his first start of the season. He gets David Nerj to one side. And he gets João Mario to the other. And they are playing behind the striker Petar Musa, or as Nino Torres will call him, Peter Parker of the Marvel Universe. Uh, that name is going to come up here in this episode as it came up in this match. Uh, Di Maria dropped for this one uh, for precautionary reasons. Uh, picked up a contusion uh, midweek against against Red Bull and was opted to be kept off the roster altogether. I don't know if he even traveled. I didn't see any. No cameras caught him in the stands or anything. So I'm thinking he didn't even travel. Uh, Nedish gets a chance to start, and boy, does he make the most of his opportunity. And Befica start the match on the front foot, coming out uh, going forward right off the bat. And it doesn't take long. No, it does not. It is five minutes into the match, and this is what they give us. Nearly in the Premier League. Nedish, Joao, Koku, Kikas Alexito, about to take the shot, Alexito, from the right side of the story. Oh yes, one of the Vikings putting the first signature on the board for the visitors and number five. Oh, number five, yes, that's what we're looking for. Victory number five in a row in the fifth minute. And this is Alex Sittemann, the Danish Viking. Bringing it all out. <laughs> all smiles. And, and you know, you wanted to know, right? You wanted to know the, uh, about the performances uh, from the Benfica players prior to the Clásico? There you go. That's the first answer that you were looking for today. And I was looking at it and I said, just, just pull the trigger, man. Pull the trigger in my mind. I said that. And then I said it out loud. And then he got it done. Pull the trigger, and then he got it done. That is the words there from Nino Torres on Goal TV as Alexander Ba gets on the end of a ball, and he just absolutely smashes it into the far post. Fantastic, fantastic shot for Alexander Ba here, a guy who who also took his more than his fair share of criticism at the midweek for his performance uh, against uh Red Bull Salzburg. I talked a little bit there how he was actually still one of the ones delivering some of the more dangerous opportunities for Benfica delivering the balls into the dangerous areas. Here he gets the ball from Kokshu as the ball comes on the ground across the box right onto his run. Takes one touch, looks up and buries it. Beating Vinicius at the far post. Fantastic shot from the Danish Viking as you heard him called there. Benfica take an early lead and I think we all agree that when Benfica take an early lead it's a much different kind of match and it's usually a much less stressful kind of match um, at least for the majority of it, right? You don't have to sweat it out until the 60th, 70th minute to see Benfica take a lead. Uh, Here we see them take the early lead and obviously we like that. and again, Benfica just so much better of a team when they score early. Um, 
if he could stay on the front foot, as in the three minutes later, it's Nedish this time with a left-footed shot from the left side of the box, but it's saved in the center of the goal. He was set up by Rafa Silva. Rafa also, despite not getting on the score sheet in this one, was instrumental in transitioning uh, the game here. Uh, so many times he picked up the ball in one area of the pitch and took it to another area, allowing Benfica to get dangerous opportunities. And in the 11th, it's another opportunity for Benfica. It's again David, David Nedge, whichever pronunciation of the first name you prefer. Uh, the Brazilian gets a left-footed shot from outside the box, but he misses just wide right, set up by Alexander Ba. We move to the... We move to the 17th minute now, and it all starts in our defensive end. It all starts with a ball being won by Otamendi, who finds Orkan Kokshu once again. And, I mean, this guy is... This guy is also getting, in my opinion, very unfairly criticized for his performances thus far at Benfica. I think he's been quite good, and I think he gets better every time he plays. And here he is once again the instrumental player in this transition as he takes the ball. He he carries it into space and then picks out an exquisite pass here. An absolutely brilliant ball that has eyes that finds its way right through the lines, uh, right through the entire left side or the entire right side, excuse me, of Portimonense's setup onto the foot into, or I should say, just in front of the foot of David Nedge, right into space for him to run onto it. Nedge does the rest, and then Nedge finds Peter Musa in, in the penalty area. Here's what it sounded like, and here is number two for Benfica. Peter Musa, a.k.a. Peter Parker of the Marvel Universe, descends on Portimo and puts Benfica ahead 2-0. And again, I had misspoke just a moment ago. The ball was actually collected from Florentino, not from Otamendi. And it came off a pass from Trubin. So this is a build-up that started with the goalkeeper. Okay, For all you guys who, who hit home week after week, who did it for years, about the importance of the goalkeeper being able to play with his feet, this goal starts from the feet of Trubin. He, he finds Florentino checking to the ball. Florentino uh, receives it, turns, finds Coxu. Coxu carries it into space, then plays a, a great ball, like I said, with eyes that finds its way to David Nerj. Nerj gets into the area, draws the defenders, and at the precise, correct moment, releases the ball to Petr Musa, who's alone in front of goal, and with his in, the inside of his left foot, just pushes the ball past the goalkeeper into the empty goal. Benfica take a 2-0 lead here in the 16th minute, and things were looking good at this point. Things were looking tranquil. Things were looking like uh, maybe we could get a 4-5-0 victory today. Benfica continue to push forward, continue to have the opportunities, but uh, Vinicius starts to make a few uh, a few saves of his own. And as we've seen so far in the season this year, Benfica start to 
decelerate a little bit with the 2-0 lead, which is uh, problematic. It is concerning a bit. Uh, I know they're managing matches. they got a lot of matches to play, a lot of minutes on their legs. But it is a bit concerning um, that, that they keep allowing these teams back in. But uh, we'll go to halftime. With the 2-0 lead, Rafa would have an attempt in the 36th minute, saved, set up again by Orkan Koksu. Um, and Portimonense would actually be forced to make a substitution in the 40th minute as Rildu would come on for Paulo Estrela. And in the 43rd minute, just before halftime, it's Ro Marius' opportunity, left-footed shot from outside the box, but it's saved, set up by Nersh. Somewhere in there, we have one where Dromario misses a what could have been a tap in, um, but it goes, I believe it went through his legs. Um, but we head into halftime, and it is Benfica leading 2 0 on the road at halftime in the 46th. Uh, both teams make some changes. Benfica make three right out of the gate, but first, it's Portimones with their change. Guga replaces Igor Marks. And then on comes Jonevs for Orkan Koksu. And I think this is the first time we've taken Koksu off this season. Um, very, very good 45 minutes from the Turkish International. David Urasek returns to, to the pitch here as he replaces Alexander Ba. And as he does that, uh, Frederick Auschnes goes from left back to right back. And Artur Cabral comes on in the 45th to replace Petr Musa. So, clearly, squad rotation is on the agenda for this match for Roger Schmidt. And I, I do have to point this out. I do have to say this. I can't go any further without pointing this out. I found it kind of amusing how the same people calling for squad rotation week after week after week can't play with the same 11. Roger finally makes some changes in the, those 11. And right away, they're criticizing the changes in the 11. Somebody has to come out. I get it. What every, what all those people want is for João Mario to be the one to come out. But again, João Mario just quietly goes out there, plays his game, has himself another very good match, uh, does what he does. He's not Neres. He's not Di Maria. He's not going to do that. He does what he does. He goes out there. He controls the ball. He makes very few mistakes, provides balance in Benfica's midfield or Benfica's, you know, attacking midfield role he he is he helps with with the defending on his side better than anybody else i know a lot of fans especially don't value that but that's very important in these matches and uh another quietly strong performance from joao mario here despite a couple of misses his confidence is not at a, at a at a high point right now but uh he's still very very competent and Doing a, a fantastic job, in my in my opinion, doing what he's being asked to do. All right, 54th minute, and we have an attempt missed here as David Nedich has the opportunity on a right-footed shot from outside the box, but it's just a little bit too high as Ronevich getting into the match and setting him up for this shot. Uh, and then we fall asleep a little bit here. Uh, and again, I have to point this out. It's once again a ball lost. And it's lost by Auschnitz, okay? Auschnitz is trying to do too much, in my opinion. He's playing as a right back. I know we like our our right backs and our left backs to get forward. We're winning 2-0, okay? There is 35 minutes to play. We're winning 2-0. The match is comfortable. And he's, in my opinion, it's not that he's too high. He's coming inside too much as well. So even though he's got Florentino, you know, he's got Florentino covering him somewhat there, he goes in and... And uh, he's trying to set up Nedish with the pass. 
Auschwitz misses the pass. Okay, it's a rare mistake in terms of of uh, from coming off his foot, but it's not the first time he's made a mistake in the past that's led to a counter. Okay, as he he misses on this pass, it ends up being intercepted, and Portuñas quickly get the ball to Jasper, and Jasper shows why he's so dangerous. Sylvester Jasper, the English wing, uh, the English forward. Find some space in the middle of the park, starting his very much like we see Rafa doing, starting in his own on the edge of his own defensive third. Carries into space and a huge failure here by both Frederick Auschwitz and João Neves. Equally, both of them were in a position to foul this player. This a foul need to be committed here. You need to take a yellow card on this play. You cannot allow this to happen. Uh, they both. They both try but they can't run with with Jasper. Neither one of them can run with Jasper. He exploits the space, carries, 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 carries and at the at the precision moment at the very exact moment that it needed to happen, Jasper plays the ball into space down the left for Eliu Varela. Uh Auschwitz is not there. Florentino can't keep with with Varela. Varela is too fast for him. Uh, Jonevj is tracking as hard as he can to get back as he's trying to get back to assist the center backs. But even though he gets back in position, and so do the center backs to play across, that's all for naught because Eliu Varela will just take it himself. And from a from a not the easiest angle, I will say, on his left foot, very easy to miss wide from where he's he's taking the shot. But he manages to he manages to hit it straight enough to avoid the spin that would have carried it wide, and he beats uh, Trubin and he puts it in the far post. And Portimonis pull within a goal here. In the 56th minute, and that is uh, troubling, and it's a big sense of here we go again. I know I, I in my you know discussion group in my Twitter uh, DM group, I got a group, a couple of groups with people, and I said in all of them, here we go again, guys, get ready. Uh, <laughs> they're gonna make us sweat it out again as Portimonis pull level, and then not even a minute later, Portimonis come down again as Rildu has a left-footed shot from the center of the box. Uh, he gets on the end of a cross from Gonzalo Costa. He fires, and Moratu's out. Moratu's hand not tucked in enough. I can't. I can't fault the referee for this one. However, this is the same exact thing they didn't give a penalty for in the Champions League midweek that would have gone to our favor. Very, very frustrating to see that. Very uh, agitating. But uh, originally not called. But then uh, Elder Malheiro goes to the monitor uh, on the recommendation of the VAR. And he comes back, does the box with his fingers, you know, uh, signals the box for VAR, points to the spot, and suddenly Portimones can equalize from the penalty spot. Just like that. Just like that. Benfica's lead could be vanished. It could be evaporated from the municipality. Portimao stadium in Portimao. Paulo Sergio doesn't want to look. Here comes now the penalty for Portimonense. With a chance to get the equalizer. Here comes Rildo, 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 Rildo. Oh, the save. Oh, the save from Anatoly. Anatoly Truman. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Look at that. He said Black Odimos who? Black Odimos what? Black Odimos, I don't know. So Truman saves the penalty, as we said, diving to his left, guessing correctly or reading it correctly, uh, as 
as Rildu tried a little bit of the stutter step, tried to throw him off, but it didn't work. Uh, Truman with the save. And Otamendi, the only player really from Befica believing in the save here, it looks like, because when you watch it, he he is timing his run to come in and clear that rebound perfectly, and he gets in there just before, just before the Portuguese player could get to the rebound um, and possibly put it into the goal. So uh, a two... Two-faced uh, uh, de- defense there, one by the goalkeeper and the other by Otamendi clearing away the the rebound. So Benfica is so close to to having gone up 3-0 on several occasions. Now so close to being level 2-2 uh, with you know a little more than a half hour to play, but they survived that. And I think at that point the hope and the and the belief in Portimonense was a bit deflated as Benfica took control from that minute forward. And they never looked back after that as uh, we can fast forward to the 66th minute. Rafa picking up the ball in the defen- on the edge of the defensive third, like we said, and carrying it at pace, what he does best, into space, uh, catching catching Portimonense on, uh, you know, catching them flat-footed a little bit, catching them uh, overexposed a little as he carries. And then... Uh, Waits for, again for the precise moment to to deliver the pass to lay it off, and there's another underrated, unnoticed. Uh, it doesn't go in the book as an assist, but it's a huge, important movement made here by Artur Cabral. Artur Cabral uh, makes his run as he's running parallel with both Nedish and with with Rafa down down the center channel. Uh, Artur Cabral decides to cut right on his run, go kind of in front of of Rafa. And head towards Rafa's right to open that lane a little bit. And that movement is enough to shift the three Portimones defenders. Even if only for half a second they shift right. They all look at him. They all start to go that way. And open the space for Rafa to deliver the pass to David Nedge. Nedge takes a touch. Lifts his head up. Waits until the goalkeeper opens his legs. And then drills it between the wickets and Nedge. We'll make it three to one. Here's how it sounded to us on this side of the world. Back to Costa. Galinho. No. Rafita Silva with Arthur. Here comes Neres. Waiting for Neres. Are you going with Neres? Yes, I am. I'm going with David. David! Neres, 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 Neres! Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir! For Benfica, it is to one. The quick response. Silva. I mean, this is this is what what is so important in counter attacks. But when you when you catch the other team by surprise, and he's still rolling with the ball, and the perfect timing, and it is, uh, you are the MVP for me today. You- David Nedish, there's consolidates i think um his his man of the match award there there's no denying him now uh with the goal and an assist in this one uh and really a brilliant 90 minutes from the brazilian winger who made the most of the absence of angel di maria and i tweeted this at the time and uh, it needs to be given serious consideration that uh 
depending on the, the status and the the fitness level of Angel Di Maria, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to start David Nedge against Porto instead of Di Maria and let Di Maria come in at the 60-minute mark when Porto's wingbacks and Porto's center backs are a little bit more spent, where they've been chasing us around, when they've been you know being muscled by Peter Musa all game. I think that's the time that you really bring in a a Angel Di Maria, and if necessary, if necessary, you you can go with the two of them for thirty minutes. Should we be behind, you know, God forbid, but should we be behind? Then you bring them in, and you got both of these guys, and I don't think they're going to have the solutions to deal with both of these guys on the pitch. Um, it leaves you more options, I think, if you start with Nerej rather than Di Maria. Uh, but we'll see what Roger decides. And listen, Di Maria is a phenomenal player. And if he's feeling good, he is gonna, he's, he's going to be the key guy in the match. So it's not like I'm suddenly off the Di Maria train here and saying bench him. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the manager has a very difficult decision here. And I think both options need serious, serious consideration from the entire staff and not just the manager. This is something they're going to be talking about every night at the end of training this week heading in to Friday's, uh, Friday's Classico. Now, if you got squandered a number of chances to go up 4-1 here, they could have made this even smoother. They didn't. It was a little more stressful than it needed to be, but the match closes out. Portimonis 1, Benfica 3. Three more points to the good guys here as we stay within a point of the leaders. Both both of our rivals, Sporting and Porto, one point ahead of us. We are now in third. And I think that this is going to be a season where the, 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 the big three, well, the top three, are going to accumulate a whole heck of a lot of points. I think this is maybe one of the seasons where all three uh, reach, you know, it. I could see all three of them getting in around or over that 80-point mark. And it could be a very difficult season in that regard if, if nobody's dropping points. But, um, again, the pressure is immense this season. There's only one spot going into next year's Champions League proper. And, oh, again, what is that Swiss model going to look like? We don't know. Uh, what's How's it going to play out for a Portuguese champion? What kind of uh, fixture list are they going to get? What kind of home matches? What kind of away matches? Because you're going to play eight Champions League matches next season in that in that Swiss model. It's not going to be a group stage. I guess, what are they going to call it? A regular season or something? A first phase? You're going to play eight matches against eight different opponents. So it'll be interesting to see how that all breaks down. So this, this, this race, I think, is going to go down to the end. And I'm not counting anyone out at this point, obviously. Uh, and listen, our opponents this Friday are, are just as favored just as possible uh, to win this thing as we are or as Sporting is. Don't judge them based on this start, okay? Do not. They have brought in good players. They're only going to get better. And, yes, they've scored a lot of goals in stoppage time, and they've had a lot of stoppage time. But the flip side of that coin is that team never friggin' gives up, absolutely never gives up. They're going to be very hard to beat on on Friday. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. Um I hope that the Super Cup victory does not put a false sense of security in our team. I don't think it will, but I think it will among fan, some fans. Um, as you know, we have a very bipolar fan base. Either it's, it seems like half the fan base thinks we're gonna we're gonna walk away and walk all over them on Friday. The other half thinks we're gonna lose five nil. And literally, these are the two 
extremes we live with in we live in uh, live with within our our fan base. But uh, let's hear from Roger Schmidt now. Here's his analysis of the match, and after that, I'll go through a few stats. But I won't keep you any longer as this episode has been quite long. Uh, if you want to see the standings, I've updated them on www.mrbenfica.com. They're there. Just give me a click. That site could use some clicks. It's been a while. Go, go on over there and check out the standings, if you will. Um, and uh, click on a few things. Just get me some traffic there on that website. Okay, so the the uh, the standings, the table will be over there. And the fixture list, um, well, I, we're going to run out of time tonight. But but we'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about you know the, the results, the other results in the league. We'll talk about the leading goal scoring race and all that. But uh, here is Roger Schmidt here, and here's what he thought of the match win games so it's never easy to win away matches and I think we started very well today so I think uh, with a lot of um, good ball possession um, very vertical always looking for moments in the attacking I think we scored two very good goals um, created um, even more chances to already decide the game um, then second uh, half of the first half in my opinion we lost a little bit the tension so instead of deciding the game um, keeping uh, the, the control and the dominance we did a little bit less so it was not on the same level after half time we wanted to, to play um, yeah, like, like at the beginning um, and then you saw what have, can happen in football so I think we, we controlled everything we created also at the beginning of the second half chances but we haven't used these moments and then uh, the, the opponent came back in, in, in uh, two minutes they got um, they scored a goal and they got a penalty so um, fortunately uh, Trubin could uh, save the penalty after the 3-1 uh, the game was decided but also afterwards I think we had a lot of moments where we could score more goals and I think that's our potential. So to to be more serious, to be more clear, and to decide games um, as early as possible, I think is something we missed already a few times this season. At the end, we always won the games, but uh, in my opinion, we can do it uh, still a little bit smarter. So that's my conclusion from 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 today. Um, but of course, we are happy to to win this game. So the Mr. Roger Schmidt, there, the manager, with. With his assessment of the match, uh, an assessment I, I agree with, as I, I usually do. I, I admit I usually do agree with what he says he sees. Uh, when I when I don't, I say so. But uh, as is much more common, I do agree with his assessment there. Um, the team, I think, still has a ways to go to improve, and, and he acknowledged that. But I do think it's improving right now, and it is going in the correct uh, direction. And I think that this Friday's match is massive. Like I just said, I think all three of the main contenders, not discounting Braga yet, but us, Porto and Sporting, are you know going to accumulate a lot of points this season, I do think. And I don't think that... Uh, I think the it's going to make these matches worth even more. And I think Roger needs to understand. And I think he learned his lesson last year uh, that these matches are not just especially this season, not just worth three points. Yes, you do win the league. Uh, the league is won not in these matches. It's in the other matches. It's the team that's most effect, most consistent and most efficient against the rest of the league that typically wins. But this could be an atypical year uh, because I can see these teams just uh, just accumulating a lot and a lot of points, which makes this mass match incredibly massive, especially it being at home. And we have had the... We have had 
you know, some poor performances at home against them, and they're going to come in ready to go. They're not going to need any motivation. They live for this, and we're going to have to match that. Um, I'm hopeful, but uh, again, I'm going to curb my optimism a little bit because uh, anything can go in this match, and I don't care how how well we've played or or how poorly they've played or vice versa. None of that matters in these matches. These matches stand alone in a vacuum a lot of times. And these can be matches that can absolutely derail a team if things don't go well. Had had what happened on Wednesday against uh, against Salzburg happened against Porto, it would have had a psychological effect that would have taken you know weeks, if not months, to recover from. As we saw last season, Benfica were never quite the same again after losing to Porto at the Luge last season. That cannot happen again. Um, and we cannot make foolish mistakes leaving ourselves exposed. They can they can punish us in a millisecond for that. They have guys that can punish us. Okay, as much as we can talk, as much as we can about the aesthetic uh, the aesthetic value of their play or lack thereof, it doesn't matter. You don't win style points in football. You win by putting the ball in the back of the net. Benfica have to be efficient. They have to be calculated. They have to be ruthless. They have to go out there and play the way they played the second half in the Super Cup. They can't think that uh, they can't think that this is going to be easy by any measure of the imagination. All right, I have kept y'all long enough this week. Thank you for listening. If you're still listening, I truly appreciate it. Whether you're in your car on your way to work, whether you're taking me with you to the gym, on the train, on the bus, you know, wherever you are, on your walk uh, while you're while you're doing yoga, wherever the heck you are, whatever you're doing that you listen, maybe it's your quiet time with your podcasts. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. It is a pleasure always to talk to you. And I will be back with more content uh, later this week. Coming up uh, in the next couple days before the Classico, I'll have a, finally a long-awaited new episode of Liga 3 English. Catch everybody up to speed on what's been going on in the Portuguese 3rd Division. And then this weekend, depending on where I watch this match on Friday from, I may or may not uh, take a little trip uh, down to a little Portugal to watch it with perhaps some other podcasters. Uh, the, an invitation has been extended. I just have to work it out with my job. Not 100% sure that uh, that I'll be able to do that. But if I am, then I got to work it out with my real boss, with my wife, and see see if, uh, if I can make the day trip down there to watch it with a few of those guys. But um, if I don't go, I'll be podcasting probably much sooner than if I do. Um, so just just follow me on on Twitter on the X at Mike Agostinho. That's at M I K E A G O S T I N H O. I'll keep everyone posted and um, and let you know what, when the next one's gonna drop. But uh, until then, this is the Mister Mike Agostinho signing off once again. Carrega Benfica, Força Benfica. We are Benfica. E polurbus unum. And of course, if you love football, you love Benfica. I'll see you next time here on Mr. Benfica. And enjoy the Champions League anthem on the outro in this episode. All right. See you next time. Ciao.